0: You may or may not have experience with online summits. You might have signed up for one, participated one, or hosted one. They are considered a little larger on the side of marketing endeavors. The main goal is to get some really good exposure, legitimize yourself in your field, and grow your audience by building your email list. It's a project that some people underestimate, and when they do, the results will show it. There are no shortcuts, and there isn't much to debate when it comes to what foundational things makes a successful online summit. What's interesting is, this particular project can really make a huge impact on your business. The reason people don't do them as much as they used to isn't because they don't work. It's because so many have tried to do them, not properly of course, and failed. And others see the carnage and think this is a marketing strategy that doesn't work. It does work, really well, and I'm going to break it down for you. You're listening to It All Works. I'm your host Jason Wheeler, and this is episode 23 Online Summit Success Simplified. For those of you who don't know what an online summit is, let me give you a brief description. This way you will have a better understanding of some of the things I will explain later that will make it a success. An online summit is a digital event that is comprised of a number of interviews of experts within a specific niche or subject. The purpose of the summit is to attract people who are in need of the information or help from the experts that share their interviews. The purpose for the host of the summit is to grow their following or email list with people who are in need of products or services within their specific niche and to gain exposure as an expert themselves. The summit could have as few as six interviews or could have as many as 50 or more. It really is up to the host. The summit attracts new followers and subscribers for the host through the experts who are interviewed, promoting the summit and participating in it. This promotion leads to people usually registering by email. Summits can get several thousand or more registrants through expert promotion and advertising if things are done optimally. But I am doing this episode to explain where the optimization should happen and why. Some of you might not know about summits. Some of you might have tried and not succeeded as much as you would like. Or maybe you want to do even better the next time you attempt one. Summits are a fairly large marketing project, but they are easily achieved if you're organized and can stick to a plan. They don't consume all your days entirely. You could do a bit of the project each day over the span of three or four months. Sure, you could do it faster, but then it will take up most of your time. Also, there are advantages to spreading it out over time when it comes to scheduling interviews and promoting the event. I have seven things that are simple that will certainly help your summit become more successful. So let's get started. Number one, the niche of the subject matter will really determine your potential audience. When people consider investing their time to register and participate in the event, they want to be sure that the information they can gain from it will be helpful and valuable. If you are vague or generalized in your topic, you might get some registrants, but not a very specific type of registrant. And although a summit should bring in more people into your email list, you want them to be the most niched and high quality contact you can obtain. There have been many well put together summits that have failed to do this one specific thing properly, And by all accounts, it looked to be a success until later when they started to communicate with their new contacts and realized those people were not ideal clients. So after a while, a large number of them either stopped reading sent emails or unsubscribed. Making the topic and niche which is right for you and make it obvious with the naming of the event will go a long way to get you those leads that you want and not waste all the effort you put into a project like this. Number two. It only makes sense that if you have to make an event niched in, then you must make sure your speakers match that niche. They are connected. It is part of keeping a promise to your attendees. When you promote an event like this and others, you will be touting it to be about a specific topic or niche. Your speakers have to back up your promotional statements. The people who attend don't want to be confused or have their time wasted. They want to learn something new, but it has to be within that specific niche or subject. Too often hosts make the mistake of having expert interviews on a summit even though the interview isn't totally aligned with the summit topic. It might be because they like the person or because they're popular. Maybe they're friends. Doing this is harmful. It's damaging. When people watch an expert interview on a summit that doesn't belong, they tend to stop participating. And before you can send a single email to them later, they have already decided to tune you out. One of the worst reasons people have the wrong experts on their summit is to make up the numbers. Maybe they had a plan to have 16, 24, or 30 interviews and couldn't find the right people. It's still not a good idea to do it. It's destructive, believe me. Find the right people for the interviews. You should know who they are already. After all, this is the business you're in. And you don't need to wait until you are doing an event like this to discover the people you would want to interview. You can do this all year round. Create a list. And when you're ready to start inviting people, it's all there waiting for you. Number three, there is more than one thing that makes speakers the right speaker for expert interviews. Their reputation becomes very important. Even though some people focus on the size of the audience that the expert might have, I can assure you this is much more important than the numbers. Since experts are going to be the ones promoting the event to their own followers and subscribers, you need to be sure they will actually promote the event and that their people will actually be interested in participating. One of the biggest challenges is to find a good, niched-in speaker that have a large, actively engaged following, that they will promote to. Unfortunately, some speakers with large followings believe they have enough leverage not to have to promote. Because they think they are a superstar, and the mention of their names will draw in a crowd. It doesn't work that way. And don't ever let anyone make you believe it. I have seen experts who have a half a million followers and 100,000 people on their email list get fewer people to join an event than an expert with 2,000 people on their email list that was willing to promote. The people with the big following seldom do much to improve an event for the host unless you are paying them. If you are not paying them, then they are showing up to the event to draw more people to them while not sharing their audience with you. But it's not just the big list people that do this. I've seen plenty of unknown experts screw over a host just to get more exposure without caring what anyone thinks. Like I mentioned before, it makes good sense to already know who you want to have as an expert in an event, even better if you're already on their email list and following them. You'll already know if they promote events they are involved with. If you don't get this one right, your numbers will be incredibly low and disappointing. You will have a hard time getting a good return on investment for your time, effort, and money. So this one is a must, just like the previous two. Number four, making your summit consumable is one of the areas that is often overlooked. When we are the hosts, we sometimes forget how easy or difficult our event schedule is for people to participate in. After all, it's very unlikely that registrants have cleared their calendars and shirked off all their other responsibilities, just so they can stay glued to the screens to watch every second of our event. Only some of the streaming networks have figured out how to hold people's attention like that. But when an event has a dozen or more interviews to consume, it's important to release them in a schedule that will allow people to have a good chance of consuming them within 48 to 72 hours. A summit should not allow access to all the interviews indefinitely unless it's part of a paid VIP package that some hosts offer. It's important to have a reasonable window of time for people to consume some or all of the content. If that window of time is too small for each interview, then people will be upset and found it impossible to consume it. If the window is too large, then people will be in no rush and they might even forget about it. There is an ideal amount of time that will keep the excitement alive and motivate people to consume content without causing too many problems. Myself personally, for every two hours of content, allow for a minimum of 48 hours or a maximum of 96 hours to consume it, and then take it down. There is another fine reason this is done. There might be some really good pieces of content that people might want to have lifetime access to. This kind of schedule promotes the sale of VIP packages. Also, you will want most of your registrants to finish consuming the summit content approximately all at the same time. That way, when you do start building a connection with them through emails, everyone pretty much is on the same page. Number five, going live and interactive during a summit can help you build a better connection with some of your more keen and engaged registrants. Allowing people to ask follow-up questions from some of the interviews they have watched can really help you build your credibility and the experts. It's always a bonus to have a live interaction with your audience because it builds a know, like, and trust quality for you. Also, having live launch parties or closing parties that include some or all of your experts that the registrants can interact with is a great way to keep things exciting and build rapport. Number six, there's one structural rule that is important and that is to test everything before it ever goes live. With this type of event, there are a number of automations and things that depend on technology to work. You must make sure that all these things do in fact work with ease. Your registration page must work perfectly so that people know you are competent. When you email people with links to newly released content, you have to make sure they will get it and that it is the right link and that link is working and the video is already to be viewed. When your event is live, that is not the time to be trying to patch a problem. What will it say about your competency? When I shared earlier about creating an event over a three to four month period, this is one of the reasons why. To allow you to build it without rushing and have the time to make sure everything goes off without a hitch. It doesn't take much for people to get discouraged when things don't work, and it sure does impress people when everything goes smoothly. And finally, number seven. I have very rarely seen anyone create an amazing summit on their own. It's not in most people's wheelhouses to know everything you need to know to create one of these events. So the key thing is to find the people who can help you create the event that you want instead of suffering and being limited to just your own skills. Having people who are experts in creating events like this can help you move the project much more efficiently and create a better product and experience for your registrants. It's hard to self-teach this kind of thing, and when someone helps you, it gives you an opportunity to increase the production value of the whole event. The most successful events I've ever seen in the past several years were done with a small team. And if you find the right people, the return on investment is enormous. Okay, so that's the seven. Of course, there are a lot of fine details that collectively will improve a summit. I can't dive into every single one of them, but I can tell you when and if you do an event like this, it can be a very rewarding experience, not just for your business, but for yourself personally. You can learn a lot that can be used to do other types of marketing projects in the future. It will definitely increase the size of your personal network with all the new people you will meet. You will suddenly have some street credibility from people who have just discovered you, and of course, you will now have a sizable amount of new, valuable content that you'll be able to use in the future for other projects and purposes. Doing this type of event can grow your following and email list quite large and quickly. And if you have managed to acquire the right audience by following the points I have outlined, you will be able to succeed faster in your business with those quality leads. I hope you look into doing something like this in the future. It's a great event to have under your belt. Making it all work. Two things I want to share with you. Two very important things you can do right now to help you with future events like this one. In this episode, I did focus on the right speakers as a main point. And I need to repeat that advice here. Any time is a good time to locate and discover potential experts and speakers you would like to interview for a summit or any other event, or even a podcast if you have one giving yourself extra time to vet their message and observe them, you will be able to gauge the reputation accurately and be sure whether they will promote your event should they be involved. I focus on the experts and speakers because you can do everything else perfectly, but if you have the wrong experts and speakers, it will be a disaster and there will be nothing you'll be able to do about it once the event goes live. The second point is finding the right help to support you in creating an event like a summit. Find people with the right experience and reputation so you can be sure they will help you get the job done, and so you can learn from them too. I hope you enjoyed this episode on Summits. These seven points will help anyone looking to succeed with this type of project. Hopefully you try it yourself. If you have any questions about this week's episode, please email me. You can do that right from this week's episode page on the podcast website at itallworks.com. I love hearing from my listeners. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you can hear the latest episodes. Thanks for sharing your time with me. Until next week, take care.